Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Colossians. Today is episode 591. We're looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Let's read our passage. You were also circumcised in him, with a circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. This is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. Paul's dealing with a problem in Colossae where it seems that the people are being led astray by some group that have a Jewish flavor to the problem, but they seem to have some pre-Gnostic ideas. Gnosticism doesn't come into full bloom until about the year 100, but they seem to have some preliminary ideas about that as far as spiritual beings that they're getting special knowledge about. And the problem is they're taking their eyes off of Christ. And Paul's message to them is don't take your eyes off Christ. Get your eyes back on Christ. He is sufficient for everything. The section we're going through here in chapter 2 is he's talking about the sufficiency of Christ, that Christ is sufficient for salvation and sufficient for living. So you don't need to be looking elsewhere. You don't need to be looking for other stuff. Christ is sufficient. Let's dive into it. Verse 11, he says, You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands. This is part of why we believe there's a Jewish flavor to this problem, because this discussion of circumcision, why why is this here? Probably these people that are leading them astray are calling for circumcision. We've seen that several times in Paul's writings where you have this group of Jewish Christians who show up, or allegedly Christians, demanding that believers all be circumcised, that that's still a valid command of God. And Paul keeps fighting against that, saying that no, it's not. So that's probably part of what's going on here is the people calling for circumcision. So Paul's talking about Christ here and sufficiency of Christ. So you were also circumcised in him, in Christ, that is, with a circumcision not done with hands. What does this mean? Well, this phrase, not done with hands, is a single word in the Greek, and it only appears three places in the Bible. It occurs in Mark 14, 58, where people are accusing Jesus of talking about destroying the temple where they say, we heard him say, I will demolish this sanctuary made by human hands, and in three days I will build another not made by hands. So there, not made by hands, is referring to a spiritual temple that would be made by God. Actual divine activity to make this happen. Another place that occurs is in 2 Corinthians 5.1. Paul says, for we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, We have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. So here he's talking about our resurrection bodies. If our physical bodies are destroyed, we know we will have a resurrection body made by God. And then the other place is right here in Colossians 2.11, where a circumcision not done with hands, meaning it's done by God. So what he's getting at here is... The Old Testament 
talks about circumcision. It's a physical act done on males that are eight days old, and it's the first requirement of the Mosaic Law. But there's also spiritual circumcision that's discussed in the Old Testament. Circumcision of the heart. Even in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, the, the Lord will circumcise your hearts. In Romans 2, 17, Paul said that God desires circumcision of the heart, not the body. So there's already been this idea in the Bible, circumcision of the heart, a spiritual circumcision. That is, a spiritual action done by God for the faithful not just a physical action that somebody does on an infant. So his point here is there's these people calling for the people in Colossae to be circumcised. Paul is saying, you don't need to do that. You have already been spiritually circumcised. Circumcised in the heart by God. Something God has done that not done with the hands means something that God has done. You were already circumcised by Christ spiritually. So don't do that. Don't get physically circumcised. You were also circumcised in him with the circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. Now it's easy to get lost in the words here. By putting off the body of flesh. I think the best way to take this is by putting off the sinful nature. By body here, he's just talking about the flesh. He's not talking about your protoplasm, your cells and uh, body mass. He's talking about the worldly nature. And so by putting off the body of flesh, that means putting off our sinful nature. That's when you were circumcised in your heart. It was when you came to Christ, when you repented of sin, when you were forgiven of sin, when you were justified by faith. So by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. That's that circumcision not done with hands, a circumcision of the heart done by Christ. So don't submit to physical circumcision. There's no need for that. And when you came to Christ and were forgiven, justified, adopted by God, Christ circumcised your heart. So don't fall for a physical circumcision. You already got something much better. In verse 12, he talks about baptism. Okay, when did that happen? When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. There's disagreement here. And you'll find uh, very reliable authors who disagree on this and say, well, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it means this. And they say opposite things. So my opinion is when you have reliable, trustworthy commentators who have divergent views that you trust in so many other ways, it's best to tread carefully here and not just say, I like that one better, I'll choose that one, but just have a, a lot of humility here and say, okay, we'll, we'll hear both sides of this and not come down hard legalistic on this. Is he talking about physical baptism here or is he talking about spiritual baptism here or is he even making a difference between the two? Because just as there's a physical circumcision and a spiritual circumcision, sometimes baptism is spoken of as the physical act, getting dunked in the water. Sometimes it's talked as more of a 
baptism of the heart done at the moment of salvation. Now, I believe he is talking about the moment of salvation here, but he might be talking still about physical baptism, in which case I don't think he's really separating the two. Because sometimes he can speak of baptism as salvation. Now, does baptism save you? No. But in the mind of the people at this time, particularly in Paul's mind, there's no such thing as a Christian who is not baptized. Anybody who comes to Christ is baptized very quickly because that is the public proclamation of your faith, of declaring your faith in Christ and your unity with the church. So the idea of a Christian who is not baptized is, is unthinkable. And so to say your baptism, well, he'd say your salvation, not the act of baptism, but your salvation. So whether you're talking about a spiritual baptism that occurs as a result of salvation, or he's talking about just the time you came to Christ, I think that's he's really talking about salvation here, just as he's also talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ here. You see that in verse 12, the death, burial, and resurrection. And that's so often referred to as an event. It's not so much you had the death, then you had the burial, then you had the resurrection. It's the death, burial, resurrection, almost like it's one word. That is that event, that Easter event of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And baptism is wrapped up in that. You were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So you see the death, burial, and resurrection here of Christ in verse 12 and the linkage of that to baptism. And I don't think there's any way you can say that he's saying you were saved through the act of baptism, but baptism is that declaration of being a follower of Christ and being unified with the church. Basically, what he's saying is you don't see circumcision to be identified as one of God's people. Baptism identified you as one of God's people. Not that baptism saved you, but baptism is a natural thing that's done when somebody does come to Christ. So I think he's basically using baptism and salvation as synonyms here. Notice in verse 11, he talked about being circumcised in him. Then in verse 12, he's talking about being buried with him and then being raised with him. All this is talking about salvation through faith in Christ that results in a spiritual circumcision of the heart and the forgiveness of sin and justification by God based on what Christ has done on the cross. So remember the, the big theme here is get your eyes on Christ because Christ is all sufficient. So you don't need angels. You don't need messages from angels. You don't need special knowledge. You don't need circumcision. What you need is Christ. And what you've got from Christ is superior to anything you could get any place else. Some people like to point this say, okay, this shows that baptism is the replacement of circumcision. No, they are. There were two different things. They're similar in some respects in that they're used for identification purposes, but you can be part of the covenant community as evidenced by your circumcision as an Israelite and not have faith because circumcision was done on every male eight days old. 
had nothing to do with faith, where baptism is only for those who come to faith. So I want to twist that and say, okay, that shows the need for infant baptism. But that would be saying that then baptism results in some kind of salvation for infants. Their infants are buried with him in baptism. No, that's not the case. Salvation is only through faith. Justification by faith and faith alone. His argument here is not, well, baptism has replaced circumcision. His argument is, you don't need physical circumcision. Christ circumcised your heart. And baptism is what identifies you as part of the covenant community. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Colossians.